0: If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Maker Mom podcast. This week's guest is Laura Mays. I hope that most of you are following her. If you're not, then listen up at the end of the show to see how you can follow along with her on Instagram and on her website. Uh, Laura is a mom. She is also a full-time teacher at, well, it's not called the College of the Redwoods anymore, but it is a college in California and she gets to teach woodworking all day, which is fantastic. She is also now an art curator, as well as a soon-to-be-published author. So all of those things make this episode super great. Laura has a wonderful journey on how she came to being a woodworker, being a maker, and all the other fun adventures that are starting to happen in her life. And next week, uh, knock on wood, because Laura is currently... Again, in California, where wildfires are raging, which may put a kink in the schedule. But the plan is to talk with her and her business partner, uh, Deidre, about their adventure in curating a full women-only woodworking woodworker show in uh, Philadelphia, as well as the book that they are working on together. So super excited for that as well. Um, So yeah with no further ado here is Laura Mays. Well let's start with just a brief introduction. Who are you? Mm -hmm. Uh, My name is Laura
1: Mays and I'm a woodworker and uh, now also a teacher and a mother and um, now I'm a curator as well and about to be an author. So yeah.
0: That's a lot of things to tack on there.
1: (laughs) I know there's a lot going on right now.
0: (laughs) Um. All right. Well, do you want to elaborate on any of those items you just listed yeah, off and absolutely, all? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I could, <laughs> uh, where shall I start? Shall so I start with woodworker. Yeah. Um, I, well, actually, I started um, when I left high school as an architect. I, I went to school for architecture and did six years of. Um, so I got a degree in architecture and then Never found it quite satisfying, um, in terms of the kind of, I found it very weird to tell other people what to do without really knowing what I was doing myself and, um, much preferred to be, to have a more hands-on, um, to be doing things hands-on and to be understanding the implications of things I was doing. But I never, I didn't really know that that, all I knew was that I wasn't very happy being in an architect's office all day. They actually drove me crazy, all the kind of soft carpeting, and the, well, in those days it was fax machines and photocopy machines. And um, I just wasn't, I I thought I wanted to take a break from architecture for a bit, and I ended up through a series of chance encounters and things. at this woodworking school in the west of Ireland. that turned out to be a great school. I didn't know it. I went mostly just because I wanted to do something different. And it was actually a really, really good school. And uh, I was there for two years. I did. I got a certificate in furniture design and manufacture. And that was really my first woodworking experience. That was in 95 to 97. And um, then I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try this. And I set up a little wor- workshop at the back of my parents' farm on the other side of Ireland in County Wicklow. And kind of um was learning a lot, like even after two years at school, I still had a lot to learn, and it was learning in a huge amount, and therefore not earning very much money at all and I was living with my parents and still not making very much money. so it was kind of a it was it was a good time in terms of learning, and it was a not so good time in terms of um well, no, I mean, it was really just good, but I knew also that that couldn't go on. that was not sustainable i couldn't I was like heading for 30. I didn't have an income basically and I just knew something needed to change there. I'd been reading the books of James Cranoff, and um, really liked the way he talked about woodworking and um, on the back cover of one of the books, it says James Cranoff lives and works and teaches in Fort Bragg, California. And I was like, Hmm, I wonder um, what he, where he teaches. Anyway, somehow this was in 1999, 2000 around. I found out that he, there he was at this place called the College of the Redwoods in What Bragg, California, and I ended up applying for um, a place there and ended up staying there for two years, I mean, which is where I am now, but anyway, that circles around to that. and. Um, uh, Little did I know that that was not the way to improve my earnings skills, but it was a great way to, I learned, you know, so much about woodworking, Uh, brought it to a whole different level. And um, then after two years in College of the Redwoods, I returned to Ireland, um, had a business again, um, but started teaching part-time to augment my income back in the school in the West of Ireland where I'd been a student. And so Uh, that that job kind of mutated over the years from a part-time job to a full-time job and then but I was still keeping the workshop running um, with my partner at the time and then we the job a job came back came back online at the College of the Redwoods back in California so I applied for that and got that and came back to California this time as a teacher uh, as a program director of the program that I'd been at 10 it was 10 years to the day that I from the time that I had started as a student to when I started as the program director and instructor, and um, and that's where I am still is in here. I am now in Fort Bragg, California, and the director of the program, which has now changed its name from the College of Edwards. It's now known as the Krenoff School um, because we are under the auspices of a different community college now. We're under Mendocino College, but we've changed the name of the program to the Krenoff School. So that was a very long answer to the woodworker part.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. And, you know, I did not actually I did not know that you were at College of the Redwoods. And Mm -hmm. and honestly, so I lived I live in Iowa now, Mm -hmm. middle of the country, cornfields, Mm -hmm. but I lived in um, northern San Diego County. Oh right uh, between so. let me see when did I move there between two thousand ten and uh two thousand fourteen right fifteen and mm-hmm. um that's where I got serious about woodworking because California mm-hmm. is full of woodworkers mm-hmm. and um I actually did a lot of searching, was looking for places to go to schooling, and so College mm-hmm. of the Redwoods came up, and I so yeah. badly <laughs> wanted to go there. I so badly wanted to go there, but, yeah. you know, I was doing full-time, full-time work and just doing right. woodworking on the side, so yeah. I went to um, Palomar Community yeah. College in um, San Marcos. Yeah, So um, a friend of
1: mine, um, Jen Anderson, she's t- taking she's teaching there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she started, uh,
0: she would have started probably,
1: she started two years ago, I think. Or okay,
0: two years yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I loved it and learned a ton, but mm-hmm. yeah, I still always uh, held College of the Redwoods in high regard, because the program mm-hmm. looked amazing. Um and I've told other people who had contacted me who've lived kind of more Northern California, like go mm-hmm. check out, go check out that school. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a good school, but then I would say that, wouldn't I? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all right. So we will circle back to all the other things you listed off, but I do want to, uh, you already kind of mentioned it. So clearly accent Ireland, but yep. what, was your, what was your, childhood? like how did you grow Uh, up
1: my both my parents are professors of english um my dad had the kind of the full-time job um in the university there they're both from england actually complicated family background but whatever we were not irish even though we were living in ireland which actually at the time was unusual because it's pretty certainly was then a very homogenous culture um so i felt a little bit like an outsider a lot of the time i mean all the time um, and i'd say i was a pretty quiet child i was very i i loved school i was very good at school i was pretty academic like i i find it easy and fun so it was a thing i liked to do i also really liked to draw drawing was, and was probably my favorite kind of non school thing i i did i did acting um and I was kind of into everything. I was into the school magazine and I was into everything except sports. (laughs) And I don't know why I did. I didn't like sport very much. When I had to play sport, I was the um, goalie in field hockey because you could go and stand on your own. I guess I was quite a, quite solitary. Um, but yeah, I was happy. (laughs) Did you, do you have any siblings? I do. I have an older brother and a younger brother.
0: Okay. Did either one of them end up venturing into a creative field at all? Well, we sometimes joke
1: that we could be called Maze Cubes because my older brother is an architect. We could we could have a, a kind of all around lifestyle package company because my older brother is an architect, so he can provide the environment. I'm a furniture maker, woodworker, so by the interior. And my brother, my younger brother, is a garden designer, and so <laughs> yes, they are very creative. My younger brother now also owns, I think it's three garden stores you know garden supplies and plants stores and my older brother well his wife in particular but him also diversified into running a coffee shop coffee shop yoga studio combo so they've all they've both done pretty interesting things are doing pretty interesting things
0: so I, yeah I think you're right I think you guys could be a uh, one-stop shop for yes. <laughs> <laughs> your, your,
1: your insides in your, yes. your yard yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um all right so you talked a bit already about like post high school going college Mm -hmm. architect getting into the woodworking um i guess now let's kind of go into the you know show curator and author a little bit (laughs)
1: uh yeah so well i guess we'll get into that more in more depth in the next um interview but to explain where it kind of started uh Deirdre Visser was a student of mine, I think three years ago, either three or four years ago. I don't actually remember. Um, and we would, uh, she was a, she is a curator at a small private college in San Francisco, of the gallery there. And I would often kind of quiz her about um, what she was putting on and um, how she chose people, to, how she curated this space. And we ended up putting the end of year show on at her gallery in San Francisco. So we had a lot of um, you know dealing with that and um uh we put on a series of um talks about woodworking various aspects of woodworking um i think we had four panel discussions uh, education making a living a couple more anyway they were very interesting very well received um in the mid somewhere at the beginning well it was just, it was actually thanksgiving dinner um deirdre asked me what's it like to be a woman in woodworking and I actually don't remember the conversation, but apparently I closed down the conversation very fast. I was like, why does everyone want ask me that? It's not an interesting question. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to be a woodworker. I don't want to be a woman woodworker. And she was taken aback by the kind of uh, how adamant I was about this. And so we ended up talking about that quite a lot, about how much the identity of a maker comes into play and should be a relevant factor. Um, she coming from the art world sees the identity of the artist or the maker as kind of primary or certainly one of the major pieces of information that you're bringing whereas i certainly in woodworking i don't know if it's true in all crafts the um identity of the maker is less taken into consideration and it's more about the work the products what you've done um and i just wanted to be kind of considered or judged i guess on the basis of the outcome of what I did and for my personal identity not to be a relevant factor but I have changed in, in the course of our project and our discussion so anyway we did this uh project at the end of the year where we worked together a lot and somewhat on a high from that I, we were like let's write a book about women in woodworking and we're like yeah and now we are here we are three years later um having curated a show uh that's just gone up in Philadelphia and um writing a book that's. Uh, manuscript is due at the end of April.
0: Well, that's awesome. And you know, I I love how you started talking about that where you're like I just want to be seen as a woodworker. I, you mm-hmm. know, why does everybody ask this question? Because this is actually a question I have in my interview about being a woman in a more male dominated field. Mm-hmm. And most of the maker moms I interview have that same like initial response like I just want to be judged on my work. I don't want to be judged like on my gender. Um and I get that, but I also see it as a way that like I am a woodworker, but I am also a woman. Mm-hmm. And and specifically for me, I am also a queer woman, which makes mm-hmm. a big difference with my art. I see it yeah. completely different than, you know, the straight guy who mm-hmm. also follows my content. Um, yeah. So it's totally different. And, and I, I think that we need to continue to push. Not that that always has to be the forefront. I do think our work needs to speak for itself. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that should be upfront. But I don't see anything wrong with sharing the other facts of yourself when mm-hmm. it comes to your artwork.
1: Yeah, I completely agree i i've i've kind of come around from thinking well obviously the the previous situation of ignoring um gender but i mean all everything else as well like um race and um mm-hmm. sexuality wasn't working <laughs> so uh because this the field was not changing like it's amazingly homogenous um you know it doesn't have diversity of pretty much any kind
0: mm-hmm. um
1: so so i think it it needs to change and this is a way of changing it is to talk about it
0: exactly exactly and and to your point about it needing to change i think i think it seems homogenous but i have had my eyes open just through doing this podcast and basically searching you know all of social media looking for moms who are makers and you find everybody you find every race you know creed belief uh-huh. system everything uh-huh. so it's out there but to your point, I think by ignoring it, it just makes it seem like it doesn't exist.
1: Right. I think your absolute visibility of a diversity is not it's not there, but the diversity is there, and it would become more diverse and inclusive if um, there was greater visibility. Exactly. So that was one of the starting points of our project. Was we know there are fabulous women woodworkers around the place. Let's show the, show them as as women. You know mm-hmm. that's going to be one of, that's going to be the deciding or the, you know, the factor that gets them together. And I think the show in Philadelphia is very successful because the woodworking is just fabulous, you know, and it's made by women.
0: Right, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: Uh, Um, And I won't... I'm just like overrun in my head with questions about the show mm-hmm. but i will hold on to them okay. until we yeah. talk next week
1: right. um <laughs> yeah deirdre may tell the story of the the kind of uh you know the initiation story the genesis, <laughs> the genesis story <laughs> slightly differently um so it'll be interesting to get her take on it too. yeah
0: exactly well back to you know mainly about the the woodworking i mean mm-hmm. it sounds like you were taking the approach like you intended to make your living from this, from the start.
1: I, that sounds like I had, I was way too clear and intentional. I was not, I was just trying stuff out. I knew that I, that being an architect at that moment was not a, didn't feel very good at all. I really hated going to the job site and telling guys what to do. And I could kind of feel their resentment and their, I just didn't like it at all. I was not, I did not want to go on doing that. So all I knew was that I wanted to change. I've never had a, or I I never had in the past a clear idea of where I was going, Um, and my parents were neither supportive nor unsupportive. They just (laughs) seemed to kind of watch as I, as I tried things out. Um, I mean, I you know I'm lucky in so many ways, so so fortunate in my education and my background and my that I was able to basically. I had the opportunity to try things out oh my cat has just come in here you've got to get off the table there <laughs> she wants to rub against, rub oh, against she... me um <laughs> um so yeah I, I didn't really have a clear plan I certainly thought that that I wanted to make a living from woodworking and it's a of course one's definition of making a living from woodworking is is if one can be flexible in that definition because teaching woodworking is also making a living from <laughs> woodworking, even though it's not from the app, you know, the product of one's hands specifically. In fact, being right. an ongoing woodworker is really important to me as a teacher as well. I don't think I could be a teacher if I wasn't also making continuously, I would feel like a fraud standing up there in front of the students and saying, this is how you do it. If I wasn't also on the other days that I'm not there going off to the workshop and doing stuff myself.
0: Yeah, no, I I totally understand that. Plus, I would assume you've got some passion for the actual making of product as well. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: it's it's, it's quite um, it's quite intense. Which actually brings us to probably what one of the questions that you're gonna like: how does one balance up one's life with being a mom and a mm-hmm. maker and all the other things one does in one's life? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but before we get to that question, (laughs) (laughs) um, before you started, I mean, before you left being an architect and Mm -hmm. trying things out, did you have much background with using tools or anything like that? Practically none. No,
1: I, I had made a bed out of Stuff I'd found in dumpsters when I was a student, but you know I look back on photographs of it, I'm like, Wow, I slept on that that's it, you know it was just a screwed to, together and screwed to the wall um and I had a saw I don't think I knew what a chisel was yet, and I certainly didn't know what a plane was. The funny thing is though what I've discovered since all this is that my dad had been a really keen woodworker as a boy um up until about from the age of like seven or eight he grew up in devon in england a very rural part of england and he basically just hung out at the carpenter's workshop for the entire his entire kind of childhood um and learned a lot and but then he also turned out to be kind of like good at school so he got like channeled away from woodworking but he 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 knows a, a lot about it and so in my late twenties and thirties, I started asking him questions about him. And, you know, he knew all the answers. He knew like what a double Morton tenon was. He knew he he knew everything. And it was a kind of a, this weird side of my dad that I'd never encountered that I didn't know about because he went off and, you know, became a professor of English, which is about as far away from woodworking as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah, it was a kind of uncovering this hidden corner inside my dad. But uh what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> About tools, but oh, it yeah. didn't... No, I did. know I had not, but the, I don't know if, if there was some kind of like, did he in fact have tools hidden away somewhere? I don't know. I mean, right. you know, but he might, I might have seen a toolbox when I was a kid, but the basic answer is no. Okay. I like drawing. That was, drawing was even more than painting or anything. I find painting kind of like a bit mushy, you know? I like drawing because it's kind of like hard, harder, <laughs> you know, firmer lines and things
0: like that. Okay. So I want to maybe go down this path too. Of, are you more predominantly like a hand tool, woodworker, power tool, a mix of the both? Definitely a mix. I'm not one
1: of, I'm not a purist. Okay. Um, um, I don't know if you know, if you've read the Krenoff books, but his, his mix of getting the machines and power tools to do the initial stages, do the kind of heavy work so that you're not tired out so that you can do all the fine work and everything is kind of like finished by hand and um all the surfaces are hand planed and uh, most joinery is hand cut not all but most so it's trying to be kind of practical about it which is weird because you know the title of one of his books is the impractical cabinet maker but in this particular regard trying to have a blend that um is not uh, like wholly one or the other it's trying to mm-hmm be kind of sensitive to both actually
0: use machines when it's sensible use hand tools when it's sensible do you have a love for one over the other
1: um i i much prefer hand tools um in fact almost because i mostly because i'm not particularly fond of maintaining machines so at school there's a very well-maintained uh shop by our shop manager, Todd Sorensen, But um, in my own shop, I kind of, like, I, I make sure they're safe. But that's about it. Um, so I end up just using the bandsaw an awful lot and finishing stuff off the bandsaw, even to the extent of, like, resawing stuff to thickness and just hand planing it to get the surface because I can't be bothered to change my combination machine over between it. Um, so, so it's kind of like almost uh, laziness in a way. It makes me <laughs> use hand tools. <laughs> Um, cause I mean, what would you prefer to do? Use a big, big machine or like the swoosh of a wooden plane on wood, you know? <laughs> you know, the, the romance is definitely on the, on the side of the hand tools, but I'm not a purist, like, like, you know, these people who, um, rive out their own
0: wood and things like that. Okay. Um, so was there anything that held you back? From this idea, I guess of when you started to learn more and more about being able to make a living from woodworking,
1: mm. you know, self-doubt is a is a big thing, <laughs> um, and I think I, you know, at a, a crafts people are kind of notorious for um, you know sh- showing you their imperfections in their work, um, and so all always wondering if my work was good enough and as i don't think that was a particularly gendered thing i think that craftspeople in general kind of do that they're like always know what's wrong and so are focusing on that instead of focusing on what's right um so being i'm being quite a shy person as well I'm not particularly fond of being kind of like out there um being gay in ireland in the growing up in the gay in the 1980s in Ireland is certainly not going to help with any kind of like, outwardness,
0: you know, like it was,
1: <laughs> was pretty, yep. uh, inward focused. Um, so yeah, I guess like a, a the introverted, I mean, a lot of, I think a lot of woodworkers are quite introverted. So tend to, I mean, which can help because you're focusing on your work, but the downside is that you don't show your work to other people. Um, self died but you know i've I've have been very fortunate I've had so many people along the way who've been like, Yeah, do you want to be part of the show or here's you know you should teach or here's a job for you, and things like that people have I've been very fortunate, and I guess that's one reason that I want to make sure that other people have that opportunity as well
0: yeah, I think uh you're right, I would say most woodworkers are probably naturally introverted um. Mm-hmm there are many a day where i will realize when i go pick up my kids from school that that's the first time i have spoken <laughs> anything to anyone since i dropped them off at school yeah yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah i
1: like i like being alone so yes. <laughs> alone on of bench is, some, is pretty much like the best as good as it gets
0: yes yeah. it is it's uh it's definitely calming for me, for sure.
1: Yeah, I know. If nothing else, I at this point, I feel like I need woodworking for
0: um, mental health purposes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) So let's talk about your shop. First, I do have to ask, do you get the joys of getting to use the shop at school for any of your own projects? (laughs) Uh, Actually, it's really hard to use the school shop because the students, I tend to be very different
1: when I'm teaching than when I'm working on my work. So they would be like, what's happened to Laura? Why is she mean and (laughs) you know, not smiling today? Um, and they would ask me loads of questions. So I tend not to use the school shop. I use my own school shop. And I try to get in there even on days when I'm, you know, teaching and have Thea, my daughter, I try to at least set foot in the shop and spend five minutes there. So I get an hour lunch break. So I eat my lunch as fast as I can and then go to the shop and then maybe just stand in there. (laughs) <laughs> or tidy up for a bit mm-hmm. and then go back to the school and then you know on the days when I'm not teaching I try to spend more time listening. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. so what is your shop setup like your well, home shop
1: yeah yeah it's not in my home it's in someone else's home <laughs> I'm, I'm renting it <laughs> it's a it's the I guess is it a double garage no it's not it's like a single garage and then another little bit of space it's pretty small and it's a got a felder combination machine and a bandsaw drill press a uh, little xy mortising machine um is that all the machines yeah um i also am very messy which often you know people seem to be surprised but uh it is really I'm, sometimes I'm like oh this place is a mess who left it like this and I'm like oh yeah me because <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to share a shop with uh, and then I kind of forced myself to be a bit, a bit tidier but now that I'm on my own I don't I'm not so tidy so I'm not tidy at all um, so it's kind of like it's a little jumbly but it works for me because uh, I know you know I know where to step <laughs> that's right
0: <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Um, and so it's got a little, it's got a little machine area and a very small little kind of
0: hand area that's up a few steps. Okay. Yeah. I've got, I, I'm the same way. I uh, rent somebody else's home two car garage for my shop space. Um, um, and yes, mine is also very messy, which I get reminded of only when either my kids or my wife come with me and tell me how how badly I need to clean up the shop. Yep. (laughs) I'm like, I know, I know, I know, but I don't have time for that. That takes time. Um, Yes, exactly. What would you prefer to do? Make something or tidy up? That's right. The answer is quite clear. Yeah. Yes. Um, Okay. Uh, What about your hand tool selection? Do you have certain ones that uh, are kind of like your favorite ones Uh. you work with most regularly? I guess planes are at the heart of it. Um,
1: so wooden planes, that's, I've made myself. Um, that's a kind of cranoff tradition. Um, and then, I don't know, everything, block planes, every other kind of plane. Um, when I'm doing curved work, obviously it's spoke shapes. I guess cutting edges are the, are the, are the thing. <laughs> um, and uh, you can always, you know, get a nicer surface and
0: just refine a joint and things like that. So, yeah. Hello friends. Today's podcast is sponsored by Carolina shoe. Now I have been wearing my steel toed Carolina shoe, safety shoes, safety boots really for quite some time now. And I'm going to tell you, I love them and I wear them every single time that I go to the shop. Um, They keep my feet safe. Uh, with the steel toe tip. They keep my feet safe from falling objects, Uh, but there's many different types of safety toe options, not just steel toe. Also, they're oil and slip resistant and waterproof. Uh, So whenever I get some water in the shop, They keep my feet nice and dry, and they're super comfortable. I wasn't expecting that, but they really are. So take it from me, who does wear these shoes every time I'm in the shop, that they're really awesome. And if you want to go check it out and get your very own pair, you can get a special 10% off using the coupon code MAKERMOM10 at checkout. So thank you, Carolina Shoe, and go get yourself a pair of these awesome boots, and thank me later. Planes will Planes? be the heart of it. Okay, yeah. do you do much uh, chisel work?
1: Well, joinery. Joinery.
0: Yeah. 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 I guess outside
1: of that, I don't. Um... Like carving stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, don't do a lot of carving. I've I got into spoon carving for a while, and when I made chairs, they were more shape shaped. Um, but mm, I seem to be back onto flatter surfaces, so planes work. Uh, yeah, obviously for um, fitting joinery, that's when chisels mm-hmm. come into play. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So you said you've moved; you're more onto flatter surfaces right now. Does that mean tables mainly? Uh boxes, mm-hmm. um, cabinets. Yeah, right now I'm
1: making a little stool, but um, that's more of an anomaly. Mostly, it's cabinets at the moment—small
0: little cabinets do you make for yourself or are you making like commission pieces or um mostly it's speculative and um
1: we have a show a student show at the end of each semester and I try to put a piece into that sometimes for sale um and then sometimes it's I get a couple of I I mean I've made some commissions over the past few years um but not very many I'm I'm preferring speculative work now that I don't need to you know, my income is not from the objects that I sell. I can make what I'm interested in and, um, that, that's working, that's working well for me. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Do you show your work in art galleries? Uh, I mostly just show at the students,
1: um, shows, uh, when a show opportunity comes up, there've been some and, you know, like the Maloof foundation had one recently. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I put work into shows, but, as, as the opportunity arises, if something
0: comes up, I'll apply. or yeah. Gotcha. Um, so yes, we get finally to the question that you alluded to earlier. Um, so you, you are teaching and you mm-hmm. are making your own artwork and you are a mom. So how, mm-hmm. how do you balance that all?
1: Um, I think, um, well, there's a few answers to the kind of one of them is that one basically constantly feels guilty whenever one's doing one thing, one's not doing the other things. So, you know, yes, I could put more time into pre- prepping for a school work. Yes, I could put more time into being in the workshop. Yes, I should. I could spend more time with my daughter, you know, so all that you're you're being pulled in these in these directions. But that's that's the kind of a slightly sad way of looking at it. Um, <laughs> I think one thing is that I've got very good at blocking out my time um, into quite small increments, sometimes to the extent of like, okay, five minutes is actually going to be helpful. I could sit down and do an email, you know, five minutes, or I could be in the shop and I could sharpen something it'll take five minutes. So being like in my twenties, you know, I had to like, I have to be in the right mood. I'm (laughs) like, no, you don't have to be in the mood. You just have to go and do it. You know, um, so, yeah, getting more, much more efficient with time, I think, is, is something that's happened to me. and um, It helped, you know, just organizing all that stuff and thinking about chunks of time, and how you can move them around to their best, to the best place. Okay, so I'll go to the store on my way to that. It's stupid to go to the store now because I'll be breaking up that time. So,
0: right.
1: so always juggling the stuff in your head of when to do stuff and what's the most kind of
0: efficient way of I I found I, become, I became much more efficient with time once I had kids. That mm-hmm. just yeah. seemed to like force the issue.
1: <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm look. I look
0: back and I'm like, wow, I made
1: that, and she was like, one. You know, You're I, right. I <laughs> so yeah, one does. One's it's not. I think one's productivity doesn't necessarily go down, but one's um, kind of efficient. Uh, one's uh, mental space for just kind of like moving yeah. stuff around goes goes way up.
0: Yes, absolutely. And how old your daughter now? Well, now she's seven. Okay. So now she's getting
1: more independent. You mm-hmm. know. She can do more stuff on her.
0: Does she have interest in what you do?
1: Um, she knows what I'm doing, um, but she's got a very different um, just set of interests. Um, she's not particularly interested in woodworking um, as, a, as a thing. Um, she... She, I think she's proud that she knows the different woods. Like she'll know ash and walnut. And um, I'll say, go over, bring the, oh, you know, when we're at the school, like we were there yesterday and some packages arrived and I was like, bring it to the person who's making the walnut cabinet. And so she was able to run over and go to the walnut cabinet. Um, so she's proud that she recognizes things. And she does hang out at the school workshop and sometimes at my workshop. But I don't think she has any particular interest in doing it herself she likes dolls and um and it's kind of like makeup game you know games in her head and it, honestly those are two of the i just i never understood either of those <laughs> i mean i had a doll i think <laughs> and, and i was like why make up stuff when reality
0: is so fun you know <laughs> yeah so i'm uh of- i'm in the same boat as it is in the uh my mom tried super hard to really girlify me and it just did not stick uh-huh. very much, you know, baby dolls and and Barbies. And generally I was more interested in the packaging materials and what I could make <laughs> with them than in the actual thing inside it. Right. Um, but my daughter, I, she's uh, about to be four, but she's into baby dolls uh-huh. and, you know, playing house and doctor and all those things. And yeah I've learned to play her long but it's still not one of my favorite things for yeah sure.
1: and I'm not very good on the story really complicated stories that have yeah. uh, really complicated <laughs> fantasy stories with complicated plot lines I'm like I can't remember you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> she's well, great at it <laughs> so maybe yeah. she is a budding uh, author on your hand she has she's pretty verbal yeah yeah um what I'm I'm really interested in learning more about what inspires your designs for your own work. It's
1: never really, a, I always, each thing generates the next thing. So it's never really like, Oh, you know, I need to be inspired and like waiting for it to happen because it's always like the next projects are lined up already because they have emerged from the previous thing. So it's not, it's hard to say at any for any one object where it came from, because it has this kind of like history of, from previous objects. Um, I, but, you know, having said that, I guess one of the things I'm really interested in now is it's kind of a little bit hard to explain, but like, so when you draw something three-dimensional, you draw it in two dimensions, obviously, but then if you make that two-dimensional thing back into a three-dimensional thing, so it's like trying to play between two and 3d, um, a kind of, it's a little, I mean, it's a little bit like illusionist not mm-hmm. not highly but um so it's kind of trying to make a 3d thing out of what a 2d
0: drawing it looks so anyway. <laughs> I, and it i think i think i get what you're saying <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah giving it a look as if it were in 2d when it yeah. is in fact in 3d yes exactly <laughs> yeah
1: that's been a kind of ongoing thing
0: <laughs> recently i don't know why particularly that's what
1: i i'm interested in um it's just it's just just that i am you know it's just like a little kind of puzzle almost how to try do that translation between them Mm -hmm. between two and 3d
0: absolutely what's your favorite part about being a woodworker
1: Mm, i mean you know i guess it's easy making stuff like and seeing it getting to the just realizing things with your own hands, like going from something that's like a tiny little like idea kind of, and then trying to put that on paper and then seeing how that, then making a mock-up of it. Just the whole realization is just so fun. It's just, you're, you're putting something of yourself out into the world. It's just endlessly rewarding, I think to interact with the, with the world in that way. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are lots of other ways of interacting with the world and, and feeling, you know, self-actualized. But it's that's my that's my way is to work with wood and kind of see what see what happens. It's also fun that you d- you never really know if it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so you, everything's always. I mean, I actually get quite bored when I have to repeat things a lot. I mean, uh, uh, so each time it's a little, little bit like, is it going to work? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know that's fun too mm-hmm. kind of problems the problem solving and kind of risk but in a contained field
0: yeah so that whole process that you just kind of skimmed right over the top i'm assuming mm-hmm. that means is that your process like you work from you know you sketch it out mm-hmm. do you um uh do some sort of model of it and then yeah. work up from there yeah I uh, used to probably draw more I think it's it's
1: become easier to uh, go from kind of a little sketch to a mock-up at this point I mean just a cardboard mock-up that takes a few hours to make um, well I guess it depends if it's a chair or something it has to be a better mock-up because they, you're actually going to sit in the mock-up and check it out for the ergonomics um, but um, yeah so definitely a mock-up feedback from that and then and then things might change anyway as well because the wood may not want to do what you want it to do. You know, <laughs> you <try to> work <laughs> exactly. with the material and um, see what what you know. Maybe it has a, a great figure on it that's going to really work if you change it a little bit, or mm-hmm. just can't get that size out. So the whole thing's going to get a bit smaller. Well, that's okay. <laughs> right. Sometimes. sometimes you know or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So so trying to let the process not be too rigid as well. So. But having intention, but also allowing that intention to change as you go along. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I applaud you for being that disciplined. I wish I was that disciplined. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know everyone has their own way of
1: doing it. If the if, if it works for them, there isn't a kind of set way of doing things. You know,
0: this is true. Um, this is true. But I do wish I sometimes maybe took a little bit more time, even just to sketch it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think personally, what gets in my way is a fear of like, I, I'm i not the best at drawing. And so mm-hmm. it's like, it's more like I get frustrated with trying to get the idea out of my head onto paper before mm-hmm. just going and making it. But I do wish I had a little bit more of that discipline, because then I think that helps you think through just all mm-hmm. of the parts of the process too. Right. Yeah. And the more
1: experience you have the more you know where where you're going to have to f- focus in the f- what, what you need to know and what you don't need to know so you kind of right. have more of an idea of what what you can
0: leave unknown at any given point mm-hmm. exactly what's your favorite part about being a mom
1: so it's a little bit like um being a maker you're making a little person <laughs> <laughs> and, but they also by god they have their own personalities the material fights back. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. The material has its own <laughs> mind. But um, it's so fun to see her, her thought processes, and her um, how she engages, how she is in the world, and then trying to help her, you know, develop her responses to the world. And um, she's—I mean, she's a cool little person. She's fun just to hang out with. So. Um, I like that chatting with her, um, but yeah, I think in general it's like it's like seeing her change, having input into that change,
0: um, seeing her learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I might have to clip that uh, line there about the material fights back because that is for sure for sure yeah. the case. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely true
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know they emerge so much themselves yes they do (laughs) (laughs) i mean we've only got one kid so uh, rebecca um and i Rebecca's, um the other mom we split up two years ago um but um where was that going um i can't remember where we only true. have one <laughs> yes we only have one that's right so I was, we have no we have no uh, like nothing to compare her to <laughs> right <laughs> um, but I see parents who have two kids you know and they're like
0: whoa what happened like, yes what, they're so different <laughs> they are so different yes <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> yes I have two but I I consider anybody who has three or more like a superhero because I don't know how they do it. Yeah. No, I don't either. <laughs> I know. Phenomenal. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what do you, I mean, so so you've moved past, you've grown a little bit. So you shouldn't get too upset when I ask you the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> what, what have been some challenges you have kind of faced or seen? By being you know a, a woman in a more traditionally male dominated field
1: well I think i I alluded to it earlier that I feel like I actually have not um, suffered as it were much at or at all from I feel like I've been very fortunate in the way I progressed through the field I don't know whether that's something to do with the way I present myself or um I just kind of luck like who I lucked into in terms of my teachers and things like that along the way. Um, And of course, I don't know what it would have been like if I wasn't female. So I don't, you know, um, but I can't point to any particular incident and say, um, you know, there was a very gendered and bad incident or anything like that. Um, I don't know that maybe it's once, you know, I think once confidence levels are different, um, I think maybe my confidence levels were quite low, and that may be a gender thing. Um, but I, yeah, I, I can't say that I, I can point to any. I used to hate going to the lumberyard. I still hate going to the lumberyard. But I, I remember one a conversation with a male colleague of mine, another woodworker in Ireland, and he was like, "I hate going to the lumberyard," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." It's not just me <laughs> you know it's not just me and being a woman he was like they're so rude to me when they go with their forklifts and they don't want to lift down the top bale and then they stare at me as I go through every plank and I was like that's exactly the way I feel and I always thought it was because I was female but it's really just because they don't like someone who's not going to buy a whole bale of wood um it's been interesting in our in our so as for the book we we spoken to Twenty eight or something women woodworkers, and how often the lumberyard shows up as a as a site of um, like real like angst for women, or you know wondering what to wear to the lumberyard and things like that. And I guess I did go through that. And I tend to, I mean, nowadays I use so little wood. I mean, because my cabinets are so small, and it tends to just kind of like arrive at me on me for somehow like you know someone will give me a plank, or I have a lot stored up, so I go to the lumberyard a lot less frequently than i used to so i haven't been in that kind of stressful situation um and you know the hardware store is another place that people often mention as a site of where people are be like you know where's can i is your husband here can i help you know what do you want or something you know just some mm-hmm. thing that it indicates that they're not taking you seriously as a customer but that also changes the more you keep going back to the same hardware store and they know you and they just treat you like anybody, you know, like a person who wants to buy whatever it is that you want to buy as opposed to um, condescending or or anything like that. So I think I can't say that I've really had bad experiences, which is not to say that I don't, I know that those bad experiences do exist. Mm -hmm. I just have been fortunate.
0: I I would, I mean, you didn't bring it up, so I'm assuming it's not an issue, but just, interesting when you get brand new students Mm -hmm. into your class who don't know you Mm -hmm. at all um do you feel like there's ever any adjustment period for any of the male students being taught by a female instructor instructor
1: you know I used to a few years ago I had that feeling that maybe they had to kind of like overcome something in themselves I kind of don't I'm not feeling it recently maybe i'm becoming less sensitive maybe there i just you know maybe i just don't care as much what they're i'm like that's your deal right <laughs> um i mostly just uh try to just kind of get on with it um you know with teaching with imparting mm-hmm. the material having said that i do i do need you know it is incumbent on me as the leader of the group that in in of woodworkers to be aware that gender is a is an issue especially for well actually for everybody
0: but mm-hmm. it's
1: like yes particularly for the women students.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I don't particularly feel a resistance on the part of the male students. I, I can't say that I do feel that. Like I say, it doesn't mean it's not there, but I'm not particularly feeling it. Um what I am aware is that a lot of the female students well in the first week or so people are ver- they show up and they're very anxious and they're very excited and that often manifests itself in completely opposite ways, often divided by gender, that the guys will be more kind of like, I know how to do this. I can do it. You know, I, I did that before. And the women, even if they have done it before, like, I don't really know how to do that. They're kind of like, they, 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 dive, they go to along, they move to the edges of the spectrum in terms of one kind of becoming overconfident, the other becoming underconfident. So it's trying to, um, get them you know the women to be like i know you've done this before it's not in your portfolio you can do this <laughs> and to the guys being like take it down a notch you know even if you've done it before you there's still a lot you can learn here so it's kind of trying to opposite teach in that mm-hmm. way you know have opposite um ways of teaching the two. um katie hudnell who's uh, we interviewed for the book she had a funny way of putting it she was like uh for the guys you, t- you tell them that you want you know take it down a notch don't i wish i could remember the exact quote and for the, for the women, you're like, no, boost it up, hit it with a stick. Right. <laughs> so basically, you're trying to, like, get the women to hit it with a stick and the guys to stop hitting it with a stick. You know? <laughs> um, but,
0: yeah, that's – I mean, have you seen um, – because you've been teaching there for a little bit, right? This is my ninth year teaching okay. there, so, yeah, yeah. Have you seen a s- gradual increase in f- female students – it's it's slight like last year we so there's 23
1: students each year last year we had 11 women and Mm. um we were like yes (laughs) but it's not a trend that has continued because this year we're at seven i think so but it has been a grad you know even that even you know with a kind of like yes it's it's in a slightly upward trend um so that's good Okay. I mean, frankly, what we need is, as well as more women students, is uh, more diversity mm-hmm. in general. Because
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, uh, gender is one thing, but there's also like race and class. And
0: I was gonna say, yeah, yes. people of color. Um, yeah. I would go out on a limb and and assume that 99% of your students are white. Um, probably slightly
1: less, but but the uh, Asian Asian Americans are our mm. main people of color. We okay. don't have um African oh in the in my nine years there's been one African American um woman and and it's also uh, Asian American women as opposed to Asian American men who who I, I can't say overrepresent but are mm-hmm. represented yeah um, not very yeah. many Asian American men um and then like I say almost n- what a couple of Latino guys. Mm -hmm. but not you know not much not many Mm -hmm. so that is the next frontier is to try and make woodwork make woodworking or at least you know our program more diverse
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely what is something that you're hoping that your daughter learns even if she's not into woodworking herself but learns Mm -hmm. from watching you be a woodworker watching you teach this skill to others Mm, i think that things take time that you can't
1: you don't just expect to be good at something and then put, you know everything to fall into place but you got to work at things and that um it's only by working at something will you get better um and that even even when you're doing something like being a woodworker it's called a practice for a reason it's because you go on doing it every day you're never kind of you don't just kind of like stop Learning and just be the thing. You're always in it. Like being it is be is 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 a process all the time, and so that, um, yeah. So that if she wants to do anything, I don't know, whatever she chooses to do, that you you, she knows that you take steps towards it and that you work at it and that you reflect on it. I guess it's about being a learner ultimately. That she Mm -hmm. sees that that kind of way of learning is basically just a way of being in the world at all. So you're always kind of adjusting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And getting better hopefully you know, mm-hmm. yeah. reacting to what's going on around you
0: absolutely what would be your advice or words of encouragement you would give to another woman another mom who wants to try some sort of new skill like woodworking um, but is hesitant to get started mm. Um, I would say um, know that
1: you're going to, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be very, very rewarding. Um, You have, you are going to make um, some sacrifices, like maybe the washing up won't be done every day or you know maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, your house won't be the cleanest house but you <laughs> but you will have these you will have something else in, going on in your life and you uh just got to be prepared to do a lot of kind of juggling and balancing and mm-hmm. but it's if that's what you want to do then you know <laughs> there's nothing better in my opinion mm-hmm.
0: it's what works for, for me so all right Well, Laura, how can people find you on all the interwebs if they are not following you already? Um, Let's see. uh, I'm on Instagram. I like Instagram.
1: Um, (laughs) Laura B. Mays. Um, I actually don't have a middle initial, so the B is just a placeholder. (laughs) I used to be called Bear when I was a kid, so I guess Ah, it's Ah, there you go. And Laura, uh, Laura Mays dot com is the
0: website okay again that was laura mays and i will include uh, how to follow her on instagram plus her website in the show notes that you can find the easiest way is to follow along with the maker mom podcast on instagram that's just at maker mom podcast link in the bio there Uh, When you hit that, it will open up and give you a whole list of things to choose from. One is show notes, head there, and you can find not just Laura, but all the other past Maker Moms uh, from all the other episodes as well. Now, I'm about to head over to Patreon for the After Party with Laura. What's the after party you might find yourself asking? Well, it is additional interview time with Laura. Uh, We have a fun little chit chat. I ask her a couple fun questions. Plus, you know, I had to throw in a series one as well because that's just the way I am. Uh, This is week number two of the new After Party over on Patreon, so if you want to have access to that really super cool additional content, uh, head over on to Patreon and check out how you can become a patron over there. Again, easiest way to find that link, too, is following us on Instagram at Podcast click the link in the bio hit join the tribe and you can check that out you can join for just as little as a dollar a month 12 dollars a year and you get access to the new after party all right well truly hope i truly truly wish you a great weekend and a great week start of your week next week and i will see you guys next friday Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.